We all have a yearning for love, but relationships can be confusing and complicated. Dr. Tammy Balashevsky says it all starts from within. It starts with a journey to center. Here's your host for Journey to Center on Empower Radio, Dr. Tammy Balashevsky. Hello, my friends. Thanks for being with us on Empower Radio today. Yes, relationships can be hard, complicated, and confusing. But I think the most important thing we can do to take care of our relationship with others is to take responsibility for our relationship with ourselves. What does that mean? It means treating ourselves with respect, kindness, care, and compassion. It means taking care of our bodies and our minds. It means learning about and expressing our emotions. It means doing the things that make you feel vibrantly and vitally alive. And for me, the most important part is taking care of my spiritual connection. When we can learn to love ourselves no matter what, life transforms, relationships improve, we are more discerning and patient and kind. While this may be easier said than done, I know it is an intention worth setting and a path worth taking. And I know my life is blessed because I said yes to finding my authentic shape and loving and respecting all of me. Here to elaborate on these very important life lessons is my expert, author, and all-around cool person, Polly Campbell. Polly wrote a super cool book called Imperfect Spirituality, Extraordinary Enlightenment for Ordinary People. And another one I am here and excited to know more about today, How to Reach Enlightenment. Her articles on personal development and spirituality appear regularly in national publications. She is a blogger with the Huffington Post, Psychology Today, at imperfectspirituality.com and more. She's a sought-after speaker who teaches at the Daily Ohm and the Growing Edge Institute. So, Polly Campbell, thanks for being here today on Journey to Center. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. How to reach enlightenment. I've been trying to figure this out, so I'm so excited to be having this conversation <laughs> with you. Me too. I'm trying to figure it out too. <laughs> well, I say all the time, crap, I made a mistake. Well, I'm not enlightened yet, so I guess it's all right. <laughs> If we were perfect, we probably wouldn't still be here. So thank goodness for our imperfection that we haven't figured it out yet. So tell me about this book, which I've been perusing and love, and why you wrote it. Yeah, I wrote the book because I think we have all these rules around spirituality and uh, attitudes about enlightenment and, and being good and, and uh, being spiritually connected. And, and they didn't work for me, to be honest. I, they didn't fit into my lifestyle. You know, I'm, I'm a wife and a mother and, and work, I work and I cannot go to India on a meditation retreat at this point in my life. And um, sometimes I don't even get to meditate in my day if it's, if it's crazy busy. And sometimes I don't want to. And so does that mean that all this is too far afield, that, that I am forever banished to not be enlightened? <laughs> and I thought, no, I, I think we get caught up in the rules around this stuff. And that alone keeps us from exploring our spirituality and, and ourself. And until we can do those things, Things, until we can really know our essence, like you said in your opening, we, we have a hard time connecting with other people in an authentic way. We have a hard time uh, finding work that, that we're passionate about and, and creating a life that is meaningful for us. So How to Reach Enlightenment is really a guidebook about what these things are how we can access them in our own lives, why we should or should not. And it, it kind of is a definition of terms for people so that they know 
you know, what would help and what would help create the stronger relationship with self and, and um, how it works. And then they can pick and choose what fits into their lifestyle and their desire. Well, and I love that it is a guide. It's very interactive. You have lots of questions and self-assessment, so it makes it very personal to whoever the reader is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I hope so. This is a personal thing, right? How I do it and how it shows up in my life is going to be really different based on your experience and and your lifestyle. And and so, again, if we want to, you know, all do it like the Dalai Lama, we're we're probably pretty stuck because most of us are not the Dalai Lama. And, (laughs) I mean, I say that on the chance that he is listening, and so he would be the (laughs) one guy. We are worldwide. (laughs) Exactly. But that doesn't mean that we can't have a meditation practice that is helpful uh, in our lifestyle. It doesn't mean that we can't become more mindful and use that to ease our stress. You know, it's there for us, too. Yeah. God is wherever we are. You know, it's it's in our breath. So if we're breathing, we have the potential to align with that source and expand from that place. So something you say that I totally agree with, Polly, I want to talk more about is the quality of struggle. You say struggle comes when we try to live separate from higher consciousness. So I want to talk more about this because I think it's so, so true. How can we let go of that struggle and align more fully with that higher consciousness? And and when I say that, that, you know, I practice this stuff too, I really mean it. And that's a good point. You know, Struggle for me on faith and letting go and resistance and acceptance and all that, this is my ongoing practice too. When struggle shows up for me, I become constrictive, limited, narrow, blaming, angry, whatever it is. That doesn't allow me to expand uh, into the high energy of love and divine and possibility and acceptance and joy. And struggle is really for me and, and for most of us, I think, when we're wishing life away, when we have an expectation, when we're attaching to an outcome and we're going to do everything we can to make that million dollars or to get that job or to get that guy or that gal or whatever it is. And so we're fighting against what is actually showing up in our life, which is he's not that into you or this isn't the right job for you. Then when we struggle, we are separate from the divine energy of the higher source, which is always guiding us in the way we need to go. Now, it's not always the way we think we want to go, but it's always where we need to be. And we feel like this because you know when you're aligned with something where you're in that state of flow, you also feel happy. You have an emotional reaction. You're also usually kinder to other people. Time slips away. You're no longer worried about how much time you have left because you just don't care because you're in that energy. That is the energy of... of God or source or universe, that is the energy we're going for in our life. When we're struggling and when we're feeling obstacles and when we feel a fight, it's usually because we are not headed in the direction that we need to be headed in. And instead of pushing forward and breaking down those walls, sometimes we need to pay attention and say, okay, what's the gift? You know, and, and sometimes where we need to go does have obstacles and walls. Usually it does, too. But there's never a time in that matter where we feel like we can't do it. We often feel like we don't want to, but we believe deep down that we'll find the information we need to get through that. And so to me, that's not struggle. We get little progress. Maybe it's baby steps, but we get it. And so we're constantly moving towards something. When we're in struggle, we're in resistance. We can't see what is. We're narrow in our thinking. We're not problem solving. We feel unhappy. And and we usually are not achieving an outcome that is desirable for us. Yes. 
Yeah, I think in those moments, it's really important to pull back. That's why my name, the name of my show is Journey to Center. Pull back, mm. sit down, relax, align, you know, listen, listen, get quiet and listen to that still small voice. And, and that can help us be discerning about taking our next steps instead of like banging our head against the wall or trying to build a door where there doesn't need to be a door. You know, maybe there's a door behind you that you haven't uh, noticed yet because you're so busy pushing and forcing and pressing. So and, that's and I love really the word good stuff. You use that word discerning a lot. I think that's a great word because, right, we have a choice, right? Mm-hmm. We get to pick. So why would you pick something that makes you feel bad? Why would you pick something that makes you feel less than? And, and I think what happens is we get caught up in the ego realm where the ego is saying, you have to have this job to be really cool. And you have to do whatever it takes to get it, or this car, or this person, or this house, or whatever it is. Or the ego says, you're not enough, you're not enough, so I'm the one that will save you. And by saving you, I'm going to keep you small. Because when you're not exposed to anything, you can't be hurt again, right? So the ego is there. And, And the ego is great. It's a tool as long as we're in charge. And when I mean... Being in charge, it means my soul, my essence, that energy that comes from within, not the mind, right? And so when you say discerning, that's what I think of, because then I get to discern, is this the ego, and is that in my best interest, or is this my God self? Is this the higher consciousness that's within me? And usually, that one is the one we want to go with, you know? For sure. Absolutely. So something you write about, and again, I agree with. In fact, I didn't find anything I didn't agree with in any of your books. I want to talk about the very challenging yet important skill of surrender. You say Mm -hmm. surrender is an active way out of pain. So if somebody's in pain, they're probably going, what? What are you talking about? What do you mean by that? So I want to hear more about the surrender skill. This is, this is a tough one. You know, it, it's a, it's, it's a constant process. And I think uh, as human beings, we look at this and we say, well, I surrendered that like six years ago. Why is it coming back right now? But to me, surrender is ongoing. And you might surrender the same situation over and over again. What surrender is, is a decision not to be aligned with the pain anymore. It's not to be aligned with the outcomes. It's not to be attached to any one idea. It's a letting go. Um, we want things to be foolproof and we want certainty. And we believe that if we work hard enough and we do all the stuff that we're told to do, that everything's going to be awesome for us because we're great people. You know, that's not how it works. We get just what we need, but sometimes what we need in our, in our spiritual exploration is sucky. You know, sometimes it's uncomfortable and it's hard and we don't know how to do it. So surrender means you identify the situation, which is acceptance, but not only do you see the situation, you just give it up. You say, all right, you know, I accept that I am now divorced. Now that may not be what I would have chosen, but that is the reality. I am no longer married. So I'm going to let that go now. I'm going to give up my anger and hostility and pain. I'm going to give up the attachment to the idea that I had a spouse. I'm going to give it up. I'm no longer going to control outcomes and try to manipulate it. I'm just going to go through it and out of it. And, and it's trusting that when you do that, that you'll be given what you need to handle whatever comes after that. You know, it, it's a hard thing for us as human beings because it's so intangible. It, surrender requires you to give up the need for things to be a certain way. You know, it yes. requires us yes. to give up our need to control outcomes. And yet at the same time, when we can do it, 
it is freeing because it means that no longer you no longer have to manage the universe and it's still going to go on with with you and you no longer have to figure it out you can let it go and when we do that we free we're free to move into another place and to expand into another reality yeah and i think really you know it it really takes having a quality of faith because if you don't have faith that the, the universe is on our side and loves us what are we surrendering to and that can be so scary yeah yeah, I think you have to you have to have faith, you know, in in a higher energy and yes. yourself. You know, faith that that okay, you can deal with a new reality, whatever it is. You know, I I don't think it's an emotional thing. I don't think you have to say, but I hate this, so I have to hang on to it, or I love this, so please, I don't want to I don't want to feel lost. I think it's it's an active thing where you just say, oh, okay, but this is it. Right. This is how it is. So I'm going to give myself to that. So whatever it looks like to be, you know, broke or divorced or um, lose a loved one, I'm going to be in that experience and give myself to that. And, you know, when I say it's an active thing, I mean, for me, sometimes it's, it's constant. I, I just had a situation with a work situation where I didn't get a project I really wanted. And I was flabbergasted. I couldn't believe I didn't get the project. And I've had to surrender that many times, like, oh, but I still didn't get it. <laughs> so me worrying <laughs> about it and being upset with the guy who didn't give me the job and all those things still didn't change the reality. The reality is, oh, I, I still don't have that job. So yesterday I went through my own surrender, which was, right, no, I don't have to think about that anymore. I've given that up. By not getting that job, I'm trusting that something else will come in play. And I'm giving that I'm, I'm no longer going to attach the emotion or the, mm-hmm. the sadness or uh, the self-doubt or anything. I'm just remembering. But I had to do that like five or six times yesterday because my memory would cycle back around. And after, oh, yeah, I already yes. gave that up. I already gave yeah, that up. I think it's OK to indulge our emotions for a little bit. But then, you know, you got to go enough is enough. I've had my snip fit. I've I've cried. I've, I've beat up my pillow. And now I'm going to, you know, surrender it and relax and move on. I, you know, I love bad emotions. <laughs> you know? You know, they show us where we want to be and where we're not. Or they, they, emotions always offer clues, right? So we can create more <laughs> or move away from what we are creating. I, I love bad emotions. I think they're helpful. So true. You know, if we're a seeker, our emotions are really there to, to help guide us. We just mm-hmm. don't want to become indulgent with them indefinitely. Right. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, they offer hints, tips, and clues, which I think are fantastic. But, it, you know, they're not ultimately are are gods right we don't want to be stuck in that and we don't have to believe them either you know um how many times have you had something that everybody was saying oh this is just terrible and you're thinking oh mike i got this (laughs) you know i got this isn't this isn't the worst so bad right right yeah, I think that's true. Or, or some people who are just like happy seekers or thrill seekers, you know, that it's not probably um, realistic to think we're just going to be happy all the time because then you right. don't even you don't have the contrast or appreciation for it. You know, it's I, like I totally agree. I the, the contrast is so important because it helps us to also feel the joy. You know, mm-hmm. we, we feel if in order to feel love, we also have to feel loss. And I would much rather um, be able to feel love than not in this life. And, and same with joy. In order to, for me to know what joy is, I've had to have some despair. But thank you, because in the end, look at the payoff, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's a well-lived human life. I don't think we came here to, 
be bland. Well, maybe some people did. I know I didn't. <laughs> I'm here to experience the whole uh, roller coaster ride of being human. Yeah. And um, I'm having fun with it now. My hands are up in the air and I'm like, yeah. And those <laughs> twists and turns can be a little bizarre and scary sometimes and make my stomach flip. But, you know, I'm all in. <laughs> and I know you are too, Polly. I am. And, and what you said earlier just resonates when you talk about uh, awareness, you know, it's it, that's the difference, right? You, you, we're all having universal experiences. We're all going to have these things that come up in our face and, and bug us a little bit. But what do you do with that moment? Are you aware or are you going to, you know, push through it and ignore the, the things, the gifts you're getting from that situation? And, and um, usually when you become the observer, which is another uh, thing I, I write about in, in How to Reach Enlightenment, when you become the observer, when you become aware, then it changes the experience because then you get curious. And instead of worrying, you begin wondering. And then you're like, huh, I wonder. We, we just had a situation in my house. My husband and I, we had a conflict. And, and right in the middle of that argument, I was like, huh, wonder why this triggered me. And pretty soon I'm off on this whole other tangent. Like it became really interesting. Like, wow, why did that little thing really make my blood boil? What's going on here? And it diffused the argument and allowed me to really gain some self-awareness. And, and that's what I love about this. It beco everything becomes an adventure then. And oh my God, I love that. That's well, fantastic. And it's so true. You know, it's like uh, when I've had upset or my husband has that upset, something I'll ask, what's coming up for you? What's beneath this? Yes. And so instead of defending, arguing, denying, whatever from that ego place, you start to go, huh, I don't even know. Let's have that conversation. And stuff comes up that it's like, I didn't even know that was in there. This is amazing. <laughs> I, I think I think that's it for, for, for us on so many levels. We don't even know. We are so unconscious sometimes that when we take a breath, and we begin that wondering process or getting curious or observing, then all of a sudden, oh, yeah, okay. Then we can work with that. You know, a lot of times I'll get my, my feelings hurt, and the way that, that used to come out is an anger. I'd be like, mm -hmm. oh, that's all about you. you. You're a jerk, you know. Now what I realize is, oh, when you said that, that, that really triggered me. I got my feelings hurt. It's such a more honest experience. And that is great for not only you, but your relationships with people because they're getting the real you. You're brave enough to step in that and say, oh, yeah, I really got hurt there, and, and I need to understand that, you know. Uh, and that's easier to love that's easier it's easier to yes. hug that person than somebody who's coming at you with a bat <laughs> yes yes and it develops compassion when i can see that in myself i can also see how others might be having that reaction so when they so reach out true. in anger toward me then i have a greater ability to step back and say oh yeah i don't like their behavior but they're, they're really hurt here and that allows so me true. to make more conscious choices I love that so much. Yeah, you say something that I absolutely love. Compassion, kindness, and tolerance are often the best responses to our most confounding challenges. Yeah, isn't this a big one? You know, mm -hmm. I, I really honestly believe this, that if you reached out in your life in every conflictual situation, every antagonistic situation with compassion, it would be enough to create world peace. And I say that because I don't think most people are bad. I think most people are scared or hurting or they're not aware or whatever it is. And usually the people that are acting the most hostile or the biggest jerks in our life are the ones that need our compassion the most because nobody's noticed their experience. They haven't been touched. They haven't been connected to because they're difficult people. So who wants to do that? Exactly. But what if you did that? What if I did that? You know, I, I go on these book tours and, and I write about these things about how to live better lives. And I had I had one guy say, well, isn't this a little self-absorbed? You're all concerned with your experience. And I'm like, listen, 
if in my experience, I'm kinder to my neighbor, then my neighbor is going to go off in the world and be kinder to her kids and so on and so on. I can change the world that way. If in my experience, I create peace and home in my home, those people are going to go off and create peace in their communities and their environments. And that is going to, that's what compassion and kindness is. It's reaching out with the best of who you are, the love that is within and touching somebody else with that kindness and love. And it's not conditional. Nobody has to earn it. You get to decide. It's that discernment again. You decide whether you're going to be a compassionate person or not. If they cut you off on the freeway, you can still be compassionate. If they say something that hurts your feelings, you can still be compassionate. If they hurt you, you can still be compassionate. But it's a choice. They don't have to earn it. And what happens, you can almost see it happen physically in the moment. When you reach out like that, when you meet their hostility with compassion, it, it changes how they stand in their body. It changes yes. how they look at you. And it absolutely changes the next interaction you have with them in the next minute, which uplifts both of us. You know, try it with the checker at the grocery store. So I just had an experience this week. She was in a bad place. She was, I felt like she was being rude to me. She wasn't responding to my questions in an appropriate way. And I just looked at her and I looked her right in the eye and I caught her eye and I said, wow, you know, this job must be so stressful right now when everybody's coming at the dinner hour and we've all had long days and it must be really hard. It changed everything because you know what? It was stressful for her. Yes. It was stressful. And she got to be seen because I was compassionate. And what, what happened then, Tammy, is it changed my experience for the better, right? I got more of what I needed too. Yeah. When you choose to see the best in someone is when they can reveal it. And, and that can be hard. Oh, when yeah. They're not showing you the best. And I think you make such a good point. You know, I don't think it's possible to authentically have compassion for another if you don't first have it for yourself. Is that self-absorbed? I, I think it's S with a capital S, taking uh, responsibility for our relationship with our soul. And that's the only thing we really have any uh, true control over. That's the only thing we can do. But that in itself will change the world. Yeah, and I think it's a huge point you make. Is how can we, how can we serve others, which is really what compassion is, if we can't take care of our own business, if we can't keep our bodies healthy and take care of our own soul relationship, and and you know, so it's self compassion is the same way. And this was hard for me to learn. And here's what kind of turned it around for me when I was writing, because I'm I'm hard on myself. I'm highly self critical, and I thought, well, I need to push myself if I'm going to be the best. Blah 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 blah. And I had this whole type A mindset, and you know, blah, all that garbage. And then I read a study when I was writing the book that said people who are more self-compassionate achieve their goals 80% more of the time. Wow, they, that's they, significant. Yeah, I mean, it's huge. They're more creative. They tend to be success, more successful financially than people who are not self-compassionate. And I thought, huh, what's that deal? And what I found out was people who treat themselves compassionately or live with greater self-compassion are braver. They're more willing to make mistakes. So they try harder and they try more and they do more because if they make a mistake, they know it's not the end of the world. They know it's just them being human. So they go back and they clean up their garbage and they make amends if they need to and they move on. Whereas those who do not operate with self-compassion get stuck in the mistake. So we never move on, right? We get right. stuck doing the same yes. old thing. And that yeah. sold it to me. So I really began this part of my active practice, which is loving myself and being kind. And that doesn't mean not holding yourself accountable when you blow it. But it means recognizing that you're responsible and accountable in your life. 
taking care of your business, even when you make a mistake, and then moving on with some grace. And that's been really helpful to me. And it's also helped me to recognize that in other people and to be get more giving and compassionate toward other people. Wow. That's it right there. That is such a powerful moment that you shared that I think if people really got that, their whole lives could transform. I, I hope so. Mine has definitely improved because of that one little thing, which, which is not so little, right? <laughs> it's not so little, but it's a, it's a different thought. We think that, in, especially in Western culture, we think that the way to, to, to get ahead is to push. And like you said, struggle. And mm-hmm. I, I don't think so anymore. The way to live a satisfied and happy and joyful and loving and fulfilling life is to love others and is to love ourselves and to connect with the higher energy that is there, which is all about love and compassion and flow and fun and play and all of that. You know, we're not meant to feel bad on this planet. We do that to ourselves. (laughs) Yes, yes. But I think you're so right. I mean, this is a culture that forces, pushes, presses, being competitive competitive and ambitious. But I'm finding we're supposed to be relaxing. We're supposed to be receiving. We're supposed to be softening up with ourselves. So we'll be softer and kinder and more compassionate with others. So I just love this paradigm shift. And I love your teachings. So we have like... Two minutes, Polly, if you can believe it. And I want you to do a shout out so people can find you, so they can get your book, so they can know and learn more about you and from you. Thank you. Come find me at www.imperfectspirituality.com. The books are available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and bookstores in your town. If you don't see them on the shelf, ask them to order them. I love independent bookstores. Do that, too. Um, You can find my posts on Huffington Post and Psychology Today. But if you come to that website, imperfectspirituality.com, you'll find both the books. I'm actually just working on a third book and and a bunch of uh, blog posts and free information about the stuff we talked about today because I really, I really want people to see that they have all they need within. They can access this stuff right now. And, um, and together, we can, we can really have a good time on, in the world. <laughs> I love that about you. Polly, you are so much fun. I'd love to have you back anytime. Thank I just you. think you're amazing and a blast and thought provoking and generous and funny and just a great combination of all these wow, I'll be human back qualities. <laughs> and to my listeners, I love you so much. I would love to connect with you, hear from you, ask questions, hear your thoughts, anything you want to share with me. Come find me on Facebook, Tammy Balashevsky, or Manifesting from the Inside Out, or my website, Tammy B. PhD. Ask me a question. Let's have a conversation. This is about connection. So God bless you. Love from my heart to yours. Onward and upward. Bye for now.